so live. And we're back. Hey. It's been like two months, man. It's January 20th, 2017, and this is the first episode of the year. I'm reading off the script. For season seven, episode 17 of the Soybean Pest Podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm so, <laughs> I, I know that sounded a little can. I was reading it, but I mean, we are back. We haven't done this since 2016. It's been almost two months. I know. I feel bad about that. Our listeners are are waiting, just waiting so? for the next Our episode listener? to come out. Yeah, they're not gonna even know. They're gonna get to this and be in like June. And be like, oh, Matt and Aaron were podcasting in January. Come on now. Who knew? But so much, so much to talk about. So, so much to talk. We about. have a couple things like that into the microphone. Yeah, so many things are on our agenda. What are we going to talk about today? Um, let's go down the list. Oh, hey, let's let's talk about the list for a second. We are create. This is a New Year's resolution. We're going to list everything we're going to talk about, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to try and get to all of them. Well, we'll do our best. Uh, we're going to talk about today soybean aphid pyrethroid resistance and update from your work and others. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some EPA activities, the comment periods for a couple different types of insecticides that uh, soybean farmers and just farmers in general might be interested in. Uh, shout out to the Iowa Pest Resistance Management Plan, new state organization that involves ISU and some of us here in the room. And um, we are being asked to participate in a podcasting workshop maybe Ooh. at the esa yeah so talk a little bit about that and finally uh congratulations to president trump today sworn in put his hand on not one two bibles two bibles i didn't know that I'm the two bible guy hmm. so good on him president yeah. trump all right so should we start with uh number one soybean aphid pyrethroid resistant update what's the acronym on that sap brew Sapru. We'll have to we'll have to think of something catchier than that. Sapru. What's yeah? Uh, what do you want to update us? Well, you know, I'm not sure how much we really talked about it last summer because we we didn't know too much until uh, the fall. So what I wanted to do and is just maybe recap some of our findings. I don't know if one one point one point doesn't make a line, but it's, uh, but it's a point. You need a point. You need somewhere to start yeah. from. So just to kind of recap, we had uh, an applicator last August who noticed what he perceived as a performance issue with a pyrethroid that he was spraying. It actually, was bifenthrin, and he had sprayed uh, the same product twice within two weeks and didn't notice a lot of knockdown. And his spider senses kind of spider senses. Spider, <laughs> spider senses. He, he started to bit. tingle a little bit. The he said, you know, this isn't right. So he got in contact right. with field agronomist Joel DeYoung up mm-hmm. in the Lamar's location, northwest Iowa. So this is a, you know, he had sprayed five fields, I think, in O'Brien County. Yeah. And he noticed that one of them wasn't acting right. So we got, we got in contact with him and collected aphids from that field that was sprayed twice without any, any knockdown or per, maybe a performance issue. And we were able to run a glass assay with bifenthrin and lambda cyhalothrin. They're two different pyrethroids. It's not that you assay the aphid's response to glass. Mm-hmm. That's You've got a little vial that's made of glass that's coated with insecticide. Yes. It's, God, it sounds like a horror, like the, um, the worst uh, 
amusement ride ever for an insect to be inside a vial coated with insecticide it has to be a horrible yeah. horrible thing um yeah and actually the the couple of guys at the university of minnesota bob cook and a few people from his lab dr were, bob yeah he was able to send me some treated glasses that we put these aphids from this problem field in and and it takes a while to kind of go through the process because we're just it's on a steep learning curve for us and those guys at minnesota but Basically, what we found out is that, yes, elevated levels of survivorship. And so it's hard to put a label on it right now what that means, if it's tolerance or resistance. Elevated, but say that again, elevated levels of survivorship. Can we convert that to didn't work. increased resistance to the insecticide? Mm, I wouldn't say increased resistance. More so than I would say the baseline? Yeah, um, performance. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know what label to put on it because we don't. We have this one point. It's hard to draw but conclusions. Comparing, but in that assay, don't you compare to an, a population of aphids that has not been exposed to insecticide? Is that true? Yeah. So compared to that population. Compared to that, that's all we can do is compare it yeah, to that population. And, and uh, this, the, the aphids that you collected from the field, they did. They did resist the insecticide. More survived than the, so, than the yeah, control lab yeah. colony. Yeah. So whether this means you spray and they just laugh at you, that's not what you learned. But, right. But they didn't die as quickly or as, as to the degree as... Um, well, as not as many were. died yeah. as a control. So yeah. the numbers are a little bit ambiguous now because it's hard to relate something that you don't you haven't done before well but just to be clear the ambiguity ambiguity isn't in the response of the aphids that you collected the ambiguity is in what does it mean for a farmer in their field yeah and so it's it many implications are you know arise from this it, most people ask me right away should we not be using pyrethroids anymore mm-hmm. and that is not my response that's not what i'm saying um there's still much that's, that's not what i heard what did you hear? I think I heard, especially in Northwest Iowa, uh, you you want to be very diligent. You want to check to see if you do use uh, pyrethroid, bifenthrin, if it did the job. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that, I would agree I with you. I, I I'm not saying don't use pyrethroids. Yeah. Is what is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so so much is unknown because of the aphid biology and and. They're overwintering. You know, a lot is unknown about their biology and their summer dynamics. And so my, yes, my takeaway message is we have to use insecticides more carefully. And then we really need to to check post-spray to see if the products are working. Because I think before, most people in Iowa, no matter what the aphid pressure, they could spray, have pretty good confidence that you're going to get a good knockdown. And maybe that's not going to be the case anymore. And I guess if, if, if your spidey sense does tingle... And you do go back and you check and you find that, wow, you didn't get very good control. There's still a healthy population of aphids there. Uh, time to bring in another active ingredient. It's time to bring in a different group number. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean. That's IRAC. Well, yeah, and in my perception. Should we explain what IRAC is? IRAC is a committee that formed, um, formed to help describe and approve different insecticides, not approve, help describe and classify different insecticide groups. 
So it stands for Insecticide Resistance Action Committee, and there's a similar committee that goes on for fungicides and herbicides as well. But IRAC has identified, I think, 29 different insecticide groups. And of course, they, the, how they kill insects is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more closely related to each other, but basically the groups that we're using on soybean, I would say are groups one, group one, which is would be the organophosphates and carbamates, and uh, group three, which would be the pyrethroids. Now, sometimes products can have groups one and three in the same formulation. Um, sometimes they can also include things like neonicotinoids and other things. But by far, you're either spraying a pyrethroid or an organophosphate. So what I'm saying is, I guess, if you, if you think you're having some issues with pyrethroids, don't use a pyrethroid anymore. Switch to organophosphate and actually vice versa. Um, we, we don't really have a good idea of any resistance right. issues that are going on with organophosphates, but I would say it's only a matter of time before that pops up as well. Yeah. So um, maybe we could do a little segue here because you brought up organophosphates. The second item on our little list here is the comment period recently closed for chlorpyrifos yep. on the EPA website. Yep. So chlorpyrifos is an organophosphate that is used commonly in corn and soybean fields, and it's under review by EPA. It's a broad-spectrum insecticide. It is fairly toxic to a large group it's of It's a critters. restricted use, yeah. yeah. And um, there's some concern for where it shows up and what it does outside of hitting the target pass. Um, my, one thing farmers and, and others that are interested in farming should be aware of is that that insecticide... That active ingredient is available to us right now, but it may not always be. And something that uh, people who are going to struggle with the soybean aphid might want to be aware of. Because that would be another group of insecticide that you could use that would be different enough chemically to, um, with given the IRAC recommendations, uh, still have some activity against the soybean aphid. Not to say it's the only active ingredient, but we've got a limited number of active ingredients available to us in these different groups, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly chlorpyrifos would be a really common organophosphate, and it'd be, mm. it'd be a logical alternative to a pyrethroid. And um, so that, I, like you said, it's kind of on the, it's not, I wouldn't say it's on the chopping block, but it is getting reviewed, and mm. some products... Um, get canceled they get revoked or whatever you want to call it and they won't they wouldn't be available for a farmer to use anymore so this is this is a potentially scary thing for me if the epa were to take away this chlorpyrifos because then it puts even more pressure uh, for the use of pyrethroids not only for soybean aphid but for all pests yeah so stay tuned we'll try to keep on top of that issue yeah as we know more we can share that yeah the other thing that EPA announced in January, while uh, we weren't podcasting, is they've opened the public comment period for uh, the pollinator risk assessment. This is related to their um, uh, review of the neonicotinoids. And um, if you Google EPA neonicotinoid comment period, you can find on the internet's um, EPA's website where it reports the schedule for review of neonicotinoid pesticides. And this includes the big three, aminoglopyrid, glothianidin, and diamethoxam. 
EPA is anticipating a plan completion of this review by 2018 with the, uh, as I said, the preliminary pollinator-only part of the risk assessment uh, open for public comment now in January 2017. And then there's a list of other activities that will go on as part of that, and you can find that at their website. And we spent some time in the past previous episodes talking about some of the restrictions going on in Canada and also the ban in Europe. So well, we've it, talked about it before. Yeah, just to be clear, it's a restriction in the European Union. There mm-hmm. are permitted uses for neonicotinoids in crops that don't involve flowering and pollinators. But given the decline in pollinators in general in the EU, um, they did restrict uh, the use of those on flowering crops. There was a two-year ban. You know, to be honest, I haven't been following that. I think it's probably coming up to either review or, you know, uh, continuation. Yeah. Uh, Not clear. Yeah. What's going on? But anyway, EPA's review is part of the general uh, review that all active ingredients go through as part of the, you know, a ten-year cycle in their uh, regulation. So this is it, it's accounting for the risk to pollinators, but it is not initiated. It's not due to that risk. Does that make sense? Yep. So. It does. Yeah. Anything else we should say about that? I mean, that's kind of ongoing. But I think that's ongoing, and other products are getting reviewed because they're new or, like you said, because they've, they've been here for a while. So that, that is something that's a continuous process. And so I think this year especially we'll probably be talking more about the EPA, some of the, mm-hmm. the legal things that are going on, going on. So I think, we'll yeah, that's just kind of stay tuned, and we'll share what we know. But that was uh, that comment period is open to the public, so you don't yeah. have to be an entomologist to comment. That's right. You uh, probably need a computer, though. Probably need a computer. Yeah. Uh, Number four on our top five list of things to talk about, the Iowa Pest Resistance Management Plan was announced. This is more than a plan. It's a... Task force? um, Yeah, and it's unique to Iowa because it's the first time that uh, I'm aware of, and I think many others in other states may be aware of, of a state agency combining multiple stakeholders. So Iowa State University, um, government agencies like IDOLS, and um, uh, commercial, private industry, and NGOs that are interested in farming, trying to get a handle on resistance as it relates to pesticide use, to crops that are resistant to pests, and in some regards, uh, cultural practice, a crop rotation. And this agency, uh, this plan, will look to address this for you know crop production across both corn and soybeans and across a variety of pests, so insect, weeds, and pathogens, things like nematodes. Um, it's just starting, but uh, you and I have been in on some of the conversations, and I think in the year to come, there's going to be some pilot projects that this plan is going to try to um, tackle individual pests and individual crops. So um, some of this will be research, but in a lot of ways, the research is already known. It's a part of the plan is to get the information and and maybe build some infrastructure so that farmers can start dealing with resistance either that's already present or might arrive and spread, like mm-hmm. in the case of what we talked about at the top with the soybean aphids. Soybean aphids, certainly a lot of people can 
empathize with some of the weed control issues that are going on around Iowa. Other pests like rootworms and plant yeah. diseases. Who knows where it could go? So, so against this nematode. Yep. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that this topic uh, touches on, a bunch of pests and a okay. bunch of crops. So You could think about uh, a number of different opportunities to develop a resistance management plan for field crops in Iowa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're and, on the list. Yeah, and, and I think going forward we'll probably be able to share some information. They have a website that's going to go live in the next month. So if not at our next podcast, a couple from now we'll provide some more info on that. Uh, item number five. Mm. Yeah. ESA podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. We were contacted by a fellow podcaster who, um, his name's Morgan, and he does a podcast called Breaking Bio, and he's from, I think, the University of Guelph in Canada, and he is thinking about organizing a podcasting workshop for our upcoming national ESA meeting in Denver, and... This is something. Mile high city. Yeah, and it's something that's I think kind of new. The concept of doing workshop, more hands-on thing, and hands-on opportunities. I think this was suggested by the current ESA president, Susan Weller, would really want to have more interactive things instead of just most of ESA is you know sitting and listening or walking through posters. It's not very interactive, so it's a chance to have some hands-on learning that kind of thing. So Morgan is trying to get together a few of us that are podcasting in the entomology world and was nice enough to ask us. So we're in the planning stages, but it sounds like it's going to be a go. And Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. very good. Yeah. So one thing um, to people who listen who might have an interest in this, I think we'll demonstrate how we do this. It's not that hard, but I know I'm kind of a visual learner, and I like to see things done. So um, we'll demonstrate this and, and show you, that, you know, just sort of how, it, how simple this can be done. Um, and then talk about some of the reasons why we have elected to use this format and um, and the ways that we make it available through our website. And it's been interesting because I, I don't want to brag, but I've been, I was on the ground floor of listening to podcasts before they were cool. Well, before the, uh, what was that one? You were an early adopter. One? Well, I was, well, if by adopt you mean listener, yeah. Yeah, you know, I um, am. But the... Um, it's been interesting to see how this format has evolved and there's some best practices uh, both in terms of how you you do it but also how you make it available mm-hmm. so uh, some and some of that is reflected in our website um, and there's some variation you know there's best practices but you know depending upon what your goals are there can those can come out in different ways and I, I think it'll be interesting because the people that Morgan has reached out to each has a I think a different goal, a different audience Mm -hmm. in mind, and that's reflected in um, the type of podcasting they do. So that's so there's other entomology podcasts. Yeah, is is maybe the takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) We're the only one that focuses on soybean pests, so ours is pretty narrow. in that way, in that respect. uh, Maybe we should change it to just the pest podcast. Do we talk about things other than? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean, we talk about, sometimes we go crazy. We it's talk like about field, corn. Field crop IPM podcast yeah. is what it is. Oh my god! So, and some, you corn, the other crop. If we go to Denver and we get crazy, maybe we come back and we start talking about alfalfa. What? <laughs> Insane! <laughs> crazy. Why not? Alfalfa. Hops. Oh, hops even. I, Girl, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. 
as the kids say. So stand by, stay tuned because we're going to be having a fundraiser. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> where we sell T-shirts. So you Did know how you? some of those podcasts do like fundraisers. And yeah, if you call in early, you get a tote bag. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that would be great to Scratch do that. Scratch out the NPR and write in Swimming Fest <laughs> podcast. We'll keep we'll keep you guys posted, and maybe we'll even do like a live type crossover. They, ooh, mm-hmm. wow. Cross-pollination. It's about to get crazy in the entomology world. So the other thing, speaking of crazy, no, that's a bad segue. What? <laughs> they, uh, congratulations, President Trump. Today is January 20th. We're oh. swearing in new president, 45th. It's going to be and, a whole new world. Uh, yeah, a whole new world. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Say goodbye to President Obama. Hello, President Trump. Yep. And rumor is... The uh, Secretary of Ag to be nominated by his um, administration is a Purdue. Is a Purdue? Uh, Purdue chickens, the Purdue. The Boilermakers? I think it was. No, no, what? no. Sunny Purdue, the. <laughs> oh, don't. What? I, sorry, I lost. I, I didn't follow your train of thought. Is it per, not Purdue University? No. Oh. Uh, uh, this what? is Trump makes rounds in D.C. after completing. Cabinet announcements, Donald Trump expects to Sonny Purdue, Sonny Purdue, P-E-R-D-U-E, oh, to be sorry. the nominee for uh, USDA, Secretary oh, of Oh, uh, okay. Ag. Okay. Sorry, I totally didn't follow you there. No, clearly. <laughs> clearly. I was like, Boilermakers? Uh, what, gonna, where are I you? I did not say Boilermakers. <laughs> no, I said you Boilermakers. You said Boilermakers. I know. I was like, what? Oh, my God. Sorry. Not following as closely to his appointments, maybe as you are. How many PhDs does it take to podcast? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> More than two. Yeah. I need to get a third. <laughs> Anything else uh, to wrap up? Um, Any upcoming events? Well, we're, we're you... both participating in Crop Advantage. Yay. And so if, for those of you in Iowa, which I think most of our listeners are, there's a couple of dates left this month, and I can put a link. Registration is open. You can walk in. And we're talking about soybean aphid resistance and a management plan and our topics this year. I'll also be part of a panel group for the Iowa Soybean Association on Farm Conference happening on February 8th. And, and I think you, you can, can register still, now. Still register for that? Yep. Still open? Yep. Are there is there any upcoming events for yourself? Um, in March, I'll be at the Southeastern Branch meeting of the ESA as part of our soybean multi-state regional program where we're having a symposium there so i'll be in uh, costa rica uh, with the tropical agriculture class uh, helping freshman sophomore students rum and coke well they they have daiquiris and mango (laughs) fruit is that the thing that a lot of mango infused icy slushy rum drinks yes i mean i won't be doing that with the students of course but they have to sleep sometimes so So, (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go down to the lobby and get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just my, it's my sleep aid. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I won't be able to make it to the working group meeting. Mm. And then looking a little bit into the future is the branch meeting for our in society in Indianapolis yeah, and in mid-June. Let's pump the brakes. That's, that's way off in June. we got a lot I to know, do. I know. There's so much to do between then and now. But So, if you want to find us, Google soybean entomology. Will be one of the first things that pop up on a Google shirt search, and then you'd be able to find did you say Google shirt. Google, Google search, and then right on the top of the of our website tab, you're going to see podcast. 
So just click on that, and that's going to have all our episodes. Twitter, at Aaron W. Hodson. H-O-D-G-S-O-N. Uh, you can email us at O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L, like Shaquille, O'Neill at iastate.edu, and E-W-H at iastate.edu. Please subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, or just send us your check or money order, and we'll <laughs> subscribe for you. We'll send you a T-shirt. To all the many ways. <laughs> access us we good i think we're good all right we nailed it we're back on this do this okay bye